All right. Thank you for joining us, Sarah. Show today the hidden truth about root canal treated teeth. In the United States alone, over 15 million root canal treatments are performed every year. And generally speaking, most conventionally trained dentists will tell the public that this so called therapy is perfectly safe. Sound familiar? In reality, nothing could be further from the truth. Keep in mind, searching the internet to learn more about root canal treatments will only give you a limited view at best about the safety of this procedure. In fact, conventional dentistry will essentially tell you that any claims that a root canal treatment can make you ill or contract some form of a disease in the future simply isn't true. And they will continue to tell you that, basically, there is no valid scientific evidence linking root canal treatment to disease elsewhere in the body. And I'm not kidding you when I tell you all of this, folks. I got this straight off the Internet from the most highly credentialed conventional dentistry sites. This is what they're communicating to the public. Now, I realize that may sound quite convincing to some of you, and if so, then I know what you're about to hear will shock you. Please join me in welcoming Dr. Stuart Nunley to our show. Dr. Nunley, welcome. Well, thank you. I'm delighted to be here, Jonathan. Dr. Nunley, the research is telling us that root canal-treated teeth trigger serious systemic health issues. What should we understand about this, please? Well, um, we should understand that um, a root canal-treated tooth is a dead tooth. It's had the bulk of the nerve and the blood supply removed from it and the lymphatics. And so um, when you have a dead entity in the body, um, it becomes the a site where bacteria and viruses and fungi like to collect. Um, most times, they're already in the root canal system, and that's why the root canal was performed in the first place. Usually the tooth is diseased, and so uh, the treatment is rendered. But the problem is, is when we, when we remove the, um, the blood supply to the tooth, our, our own defense mechanisms, our body cannot now deliver um, what we need to keep this infection in check. And so uh, the bacteria can uh, then grow in a nice warm environment with no, uh, no blood supply. They actually, uh, interestingly enough, Jonathan, don't need uh, much of a blood supply, and they certainly don't need oxygen. They're anaerobic bacteria. And so uh, they begin to multiply, and then they can become quite an issue. Sometimes they leak out into the area out or surrounding the root canal treated tooth and they form what's called a periapical lesion. Uh, now in the literature it's most often called chronic apical periodontitis. And when you look worldwide at the studies that have been done, there have been 17 studies now in 16 countries using cone beam technology to really look at a tooth from a three-dimensional angle. When those are done, uh, 40% of root canal treated teeth have one of these lesions uh, associated with it. 
Well, now there's a lot of research on those lesions and and, and the associated root canal treated teeth, and it's not very favorable. In fact, we're finding that these sorts of of infections can lead to all sorts of systemic health issues. And the problem, as you mentioned in the introduction, is that most dentists don't inform the patients of this issue. Dr. Nunley, it is completely the opposite. I know people are listening to you, you know, and I don't say this in any funny way. You and I know each other really well. You're very mild-mannered, intelligent, compassionate dentist. I've never met anyone as good as you, Dr. Nunley, and I'm not just saying that. And I want people to understand that what you're saying is so serious, but if you go to the Internet, it's just pervasive, conventionally speaking, how they'll say it's going to save the tooth when you have a treatment like this, and the tooth is healthy. They literally say the tooth is healthy after the procedure is properly done. You've got to be shaking your head at this. Well, I am, and it's, I think primarily it's, it, we have different definitions of health uh, because if you say a root canal-treated tooth is healthy because it doesn't hurt or because it looks good on a standard dental x-ray, then your definition of health and mine are totally different. I'm talking about health when the, when the area is free of pathogenic bacteria and their toxins. You know, uh, Jonathan, one of, the, one of the real problems, of course, with any infection, a bacterial infection, is the bacteria themselves. But oftentimes, it's not the bacteria that cause the biggest problem. It's the toxins that they produce. It's a very interesting thing. All of us, I think, now have heard of uh, the toxins that come from leaky gut. And uh, I know that you even just released information on your website about leaky gut and the issues associated with that. Well, there's a particular uh, toxin that actually can be measured from leaky gut. It's called a lipopolysaccharide, and it's a, it's a potent toxin. It can cause all sorts of issues, everything from cognitive issues and dementia to um, fibromyalgic issues to depression. Well, guess what? We have just found out within the last, um, really within the last year, the research has shown that teeth, teeth themselves can become leaky. And that is the toxins that are within teeth can leak out. Even some of the uh, mainstream endodontic literature is now talking about these leaky teeth and the problems that they pose. Interestingly enough, Jonathan, the toxins are the same that we find in leaky gut. They're lipopolysaccharides, potent toxins that come from gram-negative uh, anaerobic bacteria. And so um, we shouldn't, I mean, as dentists, <clears throat> if we're going to perform root canal treatment, we need to inform our patients of these issues. And, and the fact is, it, it rarely ever happens. Dr. Nunley, I know we're going to talk about in a moment where the American Dental Association is at in terms of their view of Western Price's theory of focal infection. It's going to be a very interesting part of this podcast, but before we get there, maybe for a moment, I know it's not easy to do for everybody's individual situation out there, but let's really make this down to earth about how infected root canal-treated teeth, how this infection, this bacteria, 
the waste product that's spitting out from these bacteria, how this is polluting potentially the rest of the body. And what I mean is specifically where. I mean, is it fair to say, like you said, that this can go into lymphatics, into blood, it can go up into the brain. What about the heart muscle? Can you speak a little bit about some of the biggest things that people are concerned about? Autoimmune disease, cancer, heart disease, and dementia. I mean, my God. Well, you're right. So here's the issue, Jonathan, is that these toxins that are produced by the bacteria within the dead tooth can go anywhere they like. And so the area probably that's been studied the most is their impact on uh, our cardiovascular system. And so much of the common research, I've just finished reviewing uh, over the last two months, 25 current peer-reviewed papers. Most of them had to do with the impact of root canal-treated teeth and those lesions that I spoke about a while ago, chronic apical periodontitis. Most of them had to deal with that and their impact on our cardiovascular system. Here's, here's, here's an interesting fact. And interestingly enough, this was done in the state where you live so long ago, uh, or not so long ago, in, uh, in New York. This was a study done, an American study, peer-reviewed study, showed that if you had a root canal-treated tooth and you had um, a periapical lesion on it, uh, chronic apical periodontitis, you had a 5.3-fold increased incidence of a cardiovascular event. Well, most people don't think much. Well, 5.3-fold, what does that mean? That's 530%. You have a 530% greater risk of a cardiovascular event if you've had a root canal treatment and you have chronic periapical dentitis on it. And the interesting thing is, too, Jonathan, is that there's not much motivation among the researchers to just research root canal-treated teeth. Uh, what, what the motivation is is to research the fact that these teeth have these lesions on them, and maybe then we do a root canal to help clear up the lesion, when in fact most times it's the root canal that's caused the lesion. So in my opinion, the research has been skewed in favor of doing more root canals. And there's even some evidence today. I know you mentioned that there are 15 million done in the U.S. There's some evidence that there's up to 25 million root canal procedures done in the U.S. at a cost of $25 billion. Well, to tell you the truth, in my own mouth, I wouldn't have a root canal-treated tooth, but I especially wouldn't have one if I was informed at the informed consent time before I had the procedure done that I had that kind of an increased risk, 530% increased risk of developing a cardiovascular event if my root canal had a, had a lesion on it. I feel the same way, Dr. Nunley. It's not going to be happening to me. And of course, what we're talking about here is just information. And so the bottom line is, it's not about convincing anybody. They're going to have to come up with their own decisions about what they feel is best for them. There's no doubt I've said it over and over again. Let's talk about what the heck this Western Prices theory, you know, it was a long time ago he came up with this theory. Obviously, he's no longer with us. The theory of focal infection. Maybe explain that a little bit and kind of tie in what you feel, you know, what I should say flat out, the American Dental Association, what their view is about this. Well, the focal theory of infection is this. 
Um, and, and you're right, Weston Price first coined the term, I believe, way back in the 1930s. He coined this term because he was um, he was seeing that dental infections could cause systemic health issues, and he was one of the most brilliant researchers of all time and had an incredible team of researchers under him. And what he found was if, let's say, for example, a patient presented with heart disease and the patient also had a dead tooth or a root canal-treated tooth, what he would find is oftentimes when he removed the tooth, the heart disease went away. But if he also took a portion of that tooth and he embedded it into the belly skin, typically in his day, the belly skin of a rabbit, he could also induce in that rabbit the same disease that the patient had uh, from whom he took the tooth. And so he surmised, and he surmised accurately, that many of our disease processes, many of our systemic diseases, were caused by a focus or a main site. Well, that whole theory became uh, dispelled over the next... uh, oh, the next 40 or 50 years, I think largely because dentists like to do root canal treatments. Uh, Oftentimes it was saving the tooth. We don't know at what cost to the patient, but a root canal procedure oftentimes will save a tooth for for years. And so uh, there was a real reluctance to acknowledge Weston Price's research. But the problem is in the last 30 years, the evidence, the overwhelming evidence in the literature is that, yes, he was right. He was absolutely right. And we know that, for example, Jonathan, all sorts of disease states, various bacteremias and toxemias and septicemias, these all come from a a site. And then they leach into our bloodstream or lymphatics and they settle elsewhere in the body. So it's absolutely absurd for anyone to disavow that theory. But I will have to say that's exactly what well, that's exactly what's said on the the website of the American Association of Endodontists, and it's also uh, what our American Dental Association president said. He wrote a, a a letter recently to I think most every dentist in the country got an email letter from him, suggesting that that theory is dead and gone, and he's absolutely incorrect. He's incorrect. It's fact it's never been more alive than it is today. So um, I hate to see that because it absolutely it speaks of, in my opinion, of just really not telling the truth and informing the public uh, so that they can make a, an informed decision regarding their treatment. 100%. There's a couple things going on here. Obviously, the politics of it of associations like the American Dental Association really just looking to protect their own. And then there's also the whole issue of conventional science, unfortunately, is becoming less and less a science and more agenda-driven to, hey, how can we make some money funding certain research, certain projects that push things along in a certain way? So the agendas are there. And when things are uncovered, I could do two hours with stories I've heard over 30 years in the health and fitness industry of people divulging to me what their interactions were like 
at the NIH, the National Institutes of Health, and it goes on and on at all kinds of different university levels where they wanted to look into the dangers of mercury or any other topic that really was of concern to them. These are highly credentialed researchers, vaccines, the list goes on and on, and they're basically all told to shut up because it's going against the narrative, the conventional narrative. So I just want to put it out there for those that are new to this information. It would be naive to think that this kind of stuff isn't going on. And it's very important when we're trying to make a decision, you know, what is it I should really do with my mouth and for the rest of my health? So here's a little bonus information, Dr. Nunley, I know we're going to get into now. Speak a little bit about cavitations. And no, I'm not I'm not saying cavities for those people listening carefully to me here. Let's talk about what cavitations are and how exactly this root canal research that we've been just talking about or you've been sharing with us, how does that actually apply to cavitations? Well, it applies to it in that we, when we do DNA testing on uh, root canal-treated teeth, uh, and we identify, obviously, that there's a certain bacteria, and oftentimes they're the same anaerobes from tooth to tooth. And when we also... Um, sample the contents of a cavitation. A cavitation is typically, and at least in the jaw bones, it's a dead area or a very stagnant area in the jawbone, usually a result of a previous extraction. And I would say most often a result of having wisdom teeth removed. And I'll just explain briefly and I'll get back to why the root canals and cavitations correlate the way they do. But when, when a wisdom tooth, for example, is removed, um, already that area of the jawbone is an area that does not have a robust blood supply. And then oftentimes we as dentists will use anesthetics that have epinephrine in them. Epinephrine slows the blood supply even more so that when the tooth is removed, uh, we don't get quite the bleeding that we need to back there for um, a real healthy healing to occur, and as a result, the area remains infected. So you, in other words, the bacteria from the mouth can go right into that site. Uh, if even bacteria are so clever, they can go from aerobic to anaerobic, which is an amazing thing. Then the gum tissue grows over that and a little cap of bone, and we're left with this cesspool of bacteria in our jawbone. This is very, very well documented. And again, I think it's most common in the wisdom teeth sites. Well, when we look at the contents of that and send that for a DNA study, the bacteria are often very, very similar to what we find in root canal-treated teeth. In fact, oftentimes we find more in these sites than we do in, even in the root canal-treated teeth. So we have, to, we have to surmise that since we have all this current new research on root canal-treated teeth, and since we have the same bacteria in both areas, both the root canals and cavitations, that the same sorts of systemic consequences would apply to the cavitated areas. And let me also say there is quite a body of research, even within the last 10 years on cavitations, demonstrating a link between them and breast cancer. A very well-known researcher in Germany has made that link demonstrating a link between that and a number of other systemic diseases. So 
I think it's best when a dentist is doing a thorough evaluation of a patient to at least inform patients uh, whether they, if they see these sorts of chronic infections in the, in the jaw bones, to let the patients know that they exist, and then, of course, to inform them if they have root canal-treated teeth of the potential consequences. Dr. Nunley, really important information. Let's talk about just millions of people have their wisdom teeth extracted. I personally have that done. Let's get a little personal and also talk to people out there as well. You say there's the research. There is that concern. How do people know if they have a cavitation? Can a bite wing x-ray? Is a panoramic good enough? Do we have to do cone beam technology to be deployed so that we can figure out what's happening with a 3D scan? How does somebody uncover whether they have a cavitation or not? What should they do? That's the million-dollar question right there, Jonathan. Uh, they're not that easy to diagnose. I will say, since we've been treating these for so many years, we can see them oftentimes on a periapical x-ray. I can certainly see them oftentimes on a panoramic x-ray. But really using cone beam technology, which gives us a three-dimensional picture of the area, is considered to be, it's considered to be the gold standard. I would say this. Cone beam technology, although it's good, it's still not perfect. And it's it's a very it's a big help. It's not perfect. When we have patients we have patients of course, Jonathan, send us X rays and cone beams from all over the world and we actually would much prefer they send us a panoramic X ray because many times the cone beams are difficult to open. They all have different softwares and different ways to manipulate the the uh the data. So I actually prefer to get a a real good clear panoramic x-ray to look at it. But I'd say for the most part, here's the best way. The best way is to make a very small incision over the area and take a small instrument, go through, go into the site and see if it's there. That's a a fabulous way. But to do a non-invasive technique, cone beam would be first choice, panoramic and periapical x-rays would be next. You know, shifting our attention, Dr. Nunley, to these holistic dental practices or biological dentists out there, I know you and I were involved in the Holistic Oral Health Summit back in 2015. This was really born out of the fact that my wife mostly and myself were, you know, I mean, for lack of a better way of putting it, we were victimized by conventional dental practices and the fact that we were, you know, unfortunately ignorant to these things. I was doing a lot of interviews 2013, 2014, you know, even back soon earlier than that. I was one of the last people to interview Dr. Hal Huggins. What an incredible human being. But I woke up. It was just really shocking the information I was learning. What's happened since 2015, the release of my summit? We relaunched it as well, you know, a couple years later. And I know there's other things now that have really come out since then. And, you know, I know you were a past president of the International Academy of Oral Medicine and Toxicology. So I know you've got like a really high up there helicopter view of the whole industry. So what would you say is your impression? How have things changed since just a few years ago? I think in the last five years, there's been a tremendous awareness of the issues associated with dentistry. And, 
uh, the dentists I know are well-meaning and and uh, lovely people. The problem is what what happens is that dentists and and the dental community and the medical community really, in my opinion, fail to stay in the research and stay up on the latest techniques, materials, disease states, and 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 we get a bit behind. And uh, but your show, for example, the Oral Health Summit raised a tremendous amount of awareness in this country and around the world. And as you know, um, as a result of that, other other um, folks in the media around the world now have begun to really interview folks like me and others about this topic. So I've seen a tremendously um, increased awareness and i would also say that dentists in general also are becoming more aware maybe it's because of public pressure they feel like gosh i better i better learn about this or you know they're seeing some of their colleagues say hey there's there's something to this holistic side of dentistry and medicine and so for example the academy that you mentioned, the International Academy of Oral Medicine and Toxicology, when I first became a member of that, oh, probably 15 years ago or more, there were, I think, way less than 200 members. Well, now there are well over 1,200 members worldwide. And so we have uh, more and more dentists who are finding that a holistic approach to treating a patient is can be tremendously helpful for the patient. And so, you know, as we're closing out the program, Dr. Nunley, we're not going to leave people hanging too much. Obviously, it's very complex. Everybody's health status is different. Their level of infection, whether it's from the mouth or Lyme disease or who knows what else, they're dealing already currently with autoimmune disorders of one kind or another. They've got heart disease concerns, you know, cardiovascular issues. They might even, God forbid, have stage one to stage four cancer. So everybody's in a different place. Their energy levels, their age, you know, I could go on and on. But people are going to wonder, Dr. Nunley, in, in a nutshell, as we're closing out here, look, I've got pain in my tooth. I go to the dentist. I get a drill and fill. You know, they fix this cavity. Okay, great. Maybe, maybe they say, wow, that was a deep cavity. You know, I tried to stay away from the nerve. I did the best I could. I think we did a good job. Person walks away. They still have pain. They're really, they're suffering. They go back and you know, the dentist is saying, hey, you got to get a root canal treatment. There's just no other way. You got to do that to save the tooth. But now the person's educated, right? They listen to the podcast. It really bothers them inside. Intuitively, it doesn't feel right. What should they do? Just pull the tooth, have it cleaned out properly with a biological dentist who really appreciates this. And then, I mean, what then, you know, how do you walk people through this, you know? Well, that's, that's just it. What we want to do is educate patients so that they can make an informed decision. Let's say their root canal tooth or the tooth that they're going to need a root canal on is holding a bridge and they're robustly healthy and they're 90 years old. And if they have the tooth removed, they're going to lose six teeth on a bridge. Well, maybe in that case, the patient's going to have the root canal and, and, uh, and, and save the tooth and not and not go through all the hassle of having a removable bridge and all of those things that or implants, all of those things that would take place if they lost a tooth. 
But what I would tell you is this, and your audience now, if they've listened to this podcast, have now now they are educated. Now they know um, that there's another side to this, that there there can be a real downside to having a root canal treatment. And if a patient makes an informed decision and says, you know what, I'm willing to take that risk, well, then they've, they really have. They've taken control of their health. They have made an, a decision. But the problem is, is most people never hear the other side of the story. In fact, dentists, holistic dentists, oftentimes are ostracized for, incur- for, for informing patients so that they can make an informed decision and opt to either save the tooth with a root canal or remove the tooth. On the other side of the coin, most conventionally trained dentists and dentists who are opposed to what holistic dentists do, most do not inform their patients of these systemic health consequences. And I think that's a, uh, I think it's an embarrassment, honestly, to our profession. Dr. Nunley, so much more we could do. We've run out of time for today. It was a great show. Thanks for being with us. Really do appreciate it. Hey, if you want to help us out, and you want to say thanks to us doing this kind of a podcast and also, of course, do a great thing for your immune system, go check out our many high-quality nutritional supplements that are available in the Natural Health 365 store. And again, like I said, Dr. Nunley, really do appreciate your time. Do you have any other final words for our audience? No, uh, Jonathan, I thank you very, very much for this opportunity and um you know, it's a it's a joy, it's an absolute joy to get to treat patients who are informed and who have um, who are able to make decisions based on on the science. And uh, so, I think it's uh, it's a great joy for me to be able to be on this podcast and share a different side to the story. Well, all right. That's all for today, but we'll have many more great shows for you coming soon. Thanks again for being with us. Really do appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Take care.